0: At ACC, not only because it builds our faith, but honestly because we think it's something Jesus told us to do. There's lots of scriptures um, we could use, but one of them is just from Acts 1-8, uh, where Jesus says, You will be my witnesses, basically to the ends of the earth. Um, in some ways, I think that was Jesus' observation. This is what's going to happen. But it's also his direction. It's what he wants to have happen. And so that's why we're a part of that. And as a church, I mean, you see the map on the wall, we are supporting missions around the world. And roughly about 10% of what we take in as a church, we pass on to a variety of missionaries to be a part of that larger kingdom. Um, and that's why we're sending people on short-term mission trips. And today we're privileged to have one of those missionaries that's on the board. Uh, as Dell said in the prayer time, we have been supporting John for a, a, a very long time. Um, But today we get to have him here visiting with us, and that's John Navis. Um, He has been for 23 years working in Brazil. And his wife and kids are still down there, but he is back uh, visiting churches like ours that support him to update us on uh, what's going on. And um, so what I'd like to do is um, just sort of interview John a little bit and ask him a few questions that he can explain to us what he's doing. Um, so, John, first of all, officially welcome to End Christian. Um, th- the first question, in a sense, is the obvious one of, where are you? I, I put a couple maps on, but I mean, and besides sitting here right now, but where do you work?
1: Well, I work in the ends of the earth. You don't go to San Luis because you're just passing through. It's, it's on an island, so uh, there's no buses, nothing else that would go there. You go, well, we're just passing through to find you. So down in Brazil, about 300 miles south of the equator, 300 miles down from the mouth of the Amazon uh, River, a city called São Luís or St.
0: Louis, uh, 1.2 million people right now. Okay. Um, and uh, what what do you do there in general, sort of the big picture? What's the focus of your work?
1: Okay. The, the focus of the work is to establish the church down there And it's all about making disciples. Uh, Sometimes people want to say, well, what else are you doing? It's like, no, it's that. Everything is is centered around making people be disciples of Jesus. And and the people that uh, we get to train them so they can do the very same thing with the others. Sometimes it takes a little little while because people don't think they can do it. But anybody can do it. Uh, We really have to just get at it. And you just get better as you keep doing it.
0: Now, we get to meet you today, but you aren't alone. You have a family. I got a picture here. Can you introduce us to your family? Uh, you can list it? it right there. Oh, okay. Side. Yeah. Well, they're looking right here, oh, but you get to okay. look That's okay. I'll there.
1: look over there. <laughs> okay. There's my wife, Ruth. Uh, she is from Brazil. Uh, she uh, uh, was born in Urusui, Piauí, which is the state next door. But she grew up in Uruguay in the Tocantins. Uh, Bob Myers and Dorothy knew her when they were down there, uh, working in Brazil. So they knew her before I ever knew Ruth. I met her at Cincinnati Christian Seminary. And, uh, I found this sweet young girl there. And so she wanted to go back home. So I just tagged along to, to go that way. And we got to Sound Louise because uh, as we were going to go back to, to, uh, uh Uruguayana, which was her hometown, Bob just asked us if we would change our directions. Instead of going south, how about we went to the northeast a bit? So uh we joined the team and then after we got there, uh Caleb showed up uh because he was born on the twentieth of June in nineteen ninety. We I got done there on June fourth. We had to go a little earlier because of the pregnancy. Uh he's uh, in his last year of chemical engineering at the federal university he is one of our fill-in preachers he doesn't like preaching too much uh but uh we have some others that do it more regularly but uh he's one of our fill-in preachers when we need him and then there is maria who is 17 and her first year at the uh at the state university in the area of literature and and portuguese uh she's mom's helper with the kids uh, uh with the children's aspect of the church and now she's found uh, a young guy at the university that she really likes. Uh, mom, let's I to mom, mom said they're hoping that she'll just hold off on the ideas of uh, deciding to uh, get too serious until she gets done with her university studies. But she's found a young guy that's really liked, that's coming to our congregation now. He was from a different one and has been getting more and more
0: involved in the congregation. Um. One of the questions, because I think in some ways it pertains to all of us, how did God call you to what he wanted you to do?
1: Well, God works in some mysterious ways. Uh, I was, after going to uh, uh, what's now uh, Crosswood College, and went to Cincinnati Christian Seminary. I was going to get a master's degree in in music and in biblical studies, then go on to get a doctorate degree in... uh, theology, and then turn into a a Bible college professor, and one day become uh, a Bible college president. But uh, when I was at Cincinnati, I had an eye problem that I had before, but we corrected it, but then everything all fell apart when I couldn't see enough to keep doing my studies there, but that's when I saw Ruth. And I got, you know, spending my time there, getting to know her, we decided to get married, and go back down to Brazil. And then it came along Bob Myers and, and just asked us one day to, if we would just change our plans just a little bit. And so that's how I got down to Brazil. I never imagined I'd I'd go there, but those circumstances, uh, you know, when it says God works uh, in everything for the good, sometimes we think, well, He works in all the bad situations for the good, but He works in all situations and some things are just amazing because uh, I didn't have it planned to the, my plans would have had me staying here instead of going down to Brazil.
0: Okay, there is a real lesson for all of us in that. And I want to stop and just reference because everybody doesn't know Bob and Doris Myers back here. Um, There's a fascinating story there to me which illustrates the same principle. Bob and Doris were actually ministers of this church decades ago and um, felt God's call on their life as well. And so with this church's support, they resigned so they could go to Brazil as missionaries. And so the link for Brazil actually goes way back before John back to Bob and Doris. And... um, they just enrich us as just being around here now after finishing a long time in Brazil, returned and are members here, but uh, have a long history. So um, just ask Bob and Doris at any time. and uh, They can fill you in to... on all the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about San Luis and why God has called you there and what you see as your harvest field, your mission field. What's it like? Okay,
1: San Luis is a city of 1.2 million, but when we moved down there in 1990, it was somewhere around uh, uh, 400,000. Uh, some of the statistics are, are rather inaccurate because often they would inflate numbers and whatnot. But it was it was a small, but it was a rapidly growing city, uh, which uh, brings its own problems. But uh, a city that uh, is becoming ever so important in terms of uh, exports and whatnot for Brazil, uh, one of the deepest ports in the world. And so all kinds of uh, iron ore goes out of uh, there, other kinds of minerals uh, around the world. So it really has a real connection uh, with the whole world that way, with uh, those uh, aspects. So uh, we went there with targeting to have a, a church, that would be able to you know, not reach out just to San Luis, but finally reach out to the, the rest of the uh, state and, the, and every other uh, part of the country and world that is uh, somehow in contact with it because uh, it is one of the, the more rapidly growing centers there. And usually capital cities are the most important cities down in Brazil. And then you can re- it's easy you reach out to, to uh, the other communities, and there are lots of communities uh, that can be reached uh, It's just a
0: kind of a lack of workers. Um, w- one of the things that helps us is to hear how God is working. If you look back just the last couple years, where have you seen God working in your area where you're at?
1: Okay, well we're going to back it up to 2008 then. Uh, it's one of these things that God's working but it's not the way you want it at first it seems. Uh in 2008 Edgevon which is one of our uh best up coming young men uh when we went down to Brazil in, in 1990 Gary and Rosie Finley was there and Edgevon was one of the first uh people that were converted he was only 12 at 15 he started preaching. Uh, Gary Finley taught him how to preach i that wasn't my my expertise there uh He grew up in a little back roof uh hut with the mud walls he is now he now has his doctorate in theology or doctorate in in physics is he's, he's teaching in another state, but he's working with a small church there that from two thousand eight when he showed up there to now has doubled in size Now so when he left uh it left a, a big hole at our congregation and we've kinda diminished. Except for the last uh about the last two years when things are stable lies and has been going ahead we have two people really instrumental with that. One lady, Dalva, who uh after making her decision she was like, Well, just attending and then all of a sudden something got in her head that she really had to be involved in evangelism and and really taking an active part in the Christian life, and then this December we have a young man, 19 years old, classmate of Maria's from high school, that I studied with. He made his decision in December. In March he had uh, his first, uh, well, first cousin that decided to make his decision. In April was the second one. Uh, I've been doing a study with him at his place, and there was uh, starting just six people in the study. Well, when I came this way, Silvestri continued to study, and their study has now gone to a dozen people studying there. And when I uh, talk to people about uh, how things are going at church, he's been able to get his grandma, his mom, his younger sister, two cousins, three other aunts, all to participate in the congregation. There's still you know, time to, you know, need to work with them for them to make their decision, except for his two cousins that have already done it. But he has been just uh, on fire that way. And it shows up, we have one young man in the church, and they all like playing soccer. But one told his mom, well, when his mom said, well, why don't you invite your friends to go to the young guys' meeting in a Bible study? And he said, if I did that, they'd hate me. Well, Rainey likes playing soccer, and he invites people to play soccer. And then when the soccer game is over, he says, Hey, why don't you come to the guys' meeting? And the guys' meeting is always right after the soccer game anyway. Or how about a Bible study? And his influence there, you know, he's the newest one in the group, has been uh, such that uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, instead of the group being uh, with, on average, six to eight people, 18 have shown Going, I'm not sure where they found 18 guys, but we don't have 18 young guys in the church. But uh, I, I, it's, it's rainy with his, uh, you know, enthusiasm, and it's catching other people. And so more and more, you know, if it their mind, it's not. Well, they're going to hate me. And so, uh, you know, with those two people and the others that are already there, uh, the church in San Louis should be going well, unless God decides that one of our uh, great men in the church end up needing to go somewhere else, uh, and that kind of hurt. At the time, when Egevon and Caro went to Natal. But as you look at it now, it's like, well, we have an influence in Natal, which is farther down the, the coast. We also have one young man that is down by the Sao Paulo area with a congregation there that started with our congregation. So we're branching out, though, our, our numbers. We got down to about 55 people. Now The last Sunday, when I talked to somebody, they said that they counted 85 so uh, all of a sudden, I'm not sure where the 30 people showed up from From
0: what our average was, but uh, it was good to hear
1: that anyway. So they can even we, do it without me. Yeah.
0: One of the uh, things uh, the missions team met last night and had a cookout with John, and we listened to him in the evening. Uh, one of the things that struck me, because I haven't met John until this weekend, is what you're seeing here. And that is, he, he's not as much the pulpit preacher out front. He is that quiet disciple. And he's always doing that. And if you listen to him for very long, um, you'll get confused with all the names. Uh, You know, I I struggle to follow along with him. There's so many different names, but it's all different young people he's discipled. And then he's faced some tough times, obviously, because God moves him around. But what he's doing is moving They've gotten their training with John and then God moves them around and they keep working in other churches. So it's really a quiet story of how God's using John. And he wasn't kidding when he said his heartbeat is discipleship. And that's discipleship with unChristians, and then once they become Christians, discipling them in the Word. Um, he was telling last night one of the things he did, which I think would make most of us nervous. He sat a bunch of people from his church around the circle and said, okay, I'm going to name books of the Bible. Now you tell me what's in that book. And um, I thought, oh, I don't want that. That would be a little bit of a challenge for all of us. But that's how he's discipling. I mean, he says, that's, we got to get people to know the word. Um, John, uh, tell us, um, if we were in San Luis today, going to church, help us understand what's church like. I'm sure there's a lot of similarities, but what would it be like? What's the service like? Well, okay,
1: uh, the first thing that might shock people is that uh, our uh, time together, we start at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for for Bible study. 5 o'clock starts the worship time, and we'll get done somewhere around 7 o'clock, maybe 7.30, depending on the worship leader. Uh, uh, so it's a lot longer than what uh, most people would be accustomed to. What's in the service? Okay. We have... Uh, the, the first part usually, and it all depends on who's the worship leader, they can rearrange things uh, if they want to. Uh, but it usually starts off with uh, a time of just singing, and that can go, uh, okay, a half hour or a bit more. Uh, then we usually go to, uh, and that's where it depends on who, either the prayer time or the uh, the uh, communion meditation, or they can have the offering meditation. It, it fluctuates uh, that way. We just put the sermon uh, at the tail end. No, we have different people that want to do different things. We have a choreography, well they like being called a dance group. And they like doing the specials and so we let people do the specials and that's why sometimes it gets to be longer because you don't know how many specials there might be (laughs) uh, there. But we try to let everybody that wants to do something, do something. Kind of with what Paul says uh, in the uh, Corinthians, so everybody can do something there, and so we give them the opportunity Brazilians in general are, okay, they don't worry about time, it's it's John that worries about the time but they don't worry about that, and so they can even start late, and that doesn't bother it bothers me to no end, but the worship time is, is you know, that way, preachers since I'm not a preacher, Gary's not there to help people along well, sometimes the biggest challenge is, is the sermon going to be 20 minutes? Or is it going to go to be an hour? I have been known to go an hour. Uh, I've been having my other creatures help me. Uh, because my biggest problem is the conclusion of the sermon. Somebody I say I conclude a sermon four or five times. So I've told Sylvester, okay, when you think the sermon is done, just kind of go like that. Nobody else will see you that, and I'll just stop. And so we've been trying to help each other. And we have uh, three others now down there that uh, preach uh, once a month, uh, Sylvester twice, because they have take over from me. But every once in a while, we have Caleb Bell preach. We have uh, two other young guys. And I'd like to get uh, uh, Rainey into the preaching once I get back there. Um, I'm going to need to have Jose uh, help him learn the art of public speaking with the thing of the introduction, and the body, and the transitions, and all that, because he's wonderful with that, and then we'll have one more that'll be, you know, all looks to be a real dynamic uh, preacher, but the worship time uh, goes, uh, you know, that way, the different specials they get put in, and the children, you can't forget that they always have a special that they do. The only thing they leave the worship time is when the preacher uh, uh, is speaking, and the they go to a special uh, time in the, the other area. Though some of the young people have decided they didn't know what the adults were complaining about. They would stayed there for the sermon and thought the sermon was just wonderful. So I have some of my
0: supporters real little uh, liking even the sermons. Okay. Um, when you go back, you're going back this fall, um, what, what would you say are the challenges ahead of you in your work?
1: Okay, the, the biggest challenge is still getting to convince everybody that making disciples is everybody's job. You may not be great like a, a Philip in, in the Acts where he goes to one city and he evangelizes everybody. You may be, just have to be Philip who just had one uh, on the desert road. And so, but you, you're trying to convince them that it's not like, well, the Bible said that... Uh, God chose some to be evangelists, others to be apostles. And all of a sudden, the idea is that, well, not everybody in the church has to make disciples. Well, I would challenge that idea because Paul's talking there about these people equipping the church. Well, an evangelist trying to evangelize or make somebody a disciple, well, that, I would say, isn't necessarily for the church. And so I'm just kind of assuming that it's more like what we think about Bible colleges. You'll have a professor of uh, preaching, a professor in evangelism. Well, he's not evangelizing his students. He's teaching them how to do that. And I kind of think uh, we should probably look at that uh, as what Paul's trying to say about, you know, he chose something to be evangelists, And that still would make everybody else responsible to make disciples. It just may not be as good as somebody else, but you don't have to be so good. Uh, when we went down there, we went down with four families, our best preacher, came back within six months. The two people that really said that they were evangelists didn't have any success at it. The guy that went down there was supposed to be the music end of things, me, had never made a single disciple in all my life up to that point, so uh, 31 years with no success. They were the ones that were the successful ones. Gary stayed with the preaching. He didn't have the success with evangelism. And I had some years with twelve, twenty four, and so I remember those I like to get back there because you need more time to do that. But it's it's amazing what God can do. You can just be, you know, a little farm boy on a dairy farm in Wisconsin and he can ship you off to the ends of the world and he can do it. Yeah. And you don't think, well, have any great talents? Well, no. But uh you know, God can do a lot with being one of
0: the talented persons in the world. It's a great lesson for all of us, Yeah, how often that's true. Um, as you think about returning, how can we pray for you?
1: Well, okay. First of all, we'll start with, uh, with Caleb. Uh, he's home. Uh, he's supposed to spend at least one month, uh, okay, resting. He can walk and be very upright, but uh, uh, I'm not sure what that will do with his studies at the university and all that, or his trip that he was planning on coming up this way in August. Uh, well, I, need to, interrupt. I yeah. need
0: to interrupt for a second. Okay. Uh, some of you are not aware. Um, his son Caleb was in an accident uh, in a public transportation bus, and uh, so out of that injured his spine, um, and so has been in the hospital and MRI, um cetera. Uh, determining the extent of the injury in his spine and was just let out last night. Uh-huh. But they're still, they're still figuring out, but some damage, so he has a recovery here. So that's mm-hmm. what John so, is talking so about. So that
1: would be the, the first thing. Now, the work uh, down, well, okay, second thing, financially we're in some trouble. We're uh, When the financial crunch hit here, it also hit us because we had several churches that had to uh, dropped support completely others dropped it drastically and we haven't been able to make that up and we're running about a thousand thousand five hundred a month short now when it first happened we had a buffer of about 60,000 and Sylvia even said as our 40 said, well John I think you need to use a little of that money people think we have so much money to stop giving well that uh, turned around real fast uh, <laughs> with the financial crunch and we're roughly Ten thousand in the general fund, so by the end of the year that could affect things. So if there are individuals that would like to support the church besides the the uh, the church uh, money, uh, we are willing to have individual supporters. Uh, if you happen to know another church that you know has uh, some funds that they're looking for a mission, you can suggest to us. That would work. Fun. Now the work down there itself is okay. To pray that that. The vision that seems to be coming with, with Rainy and with Dalva uh, and even with Dalva's daughter, because she took over one of my Bible studies with a young uh, mom that has three kids. She's a single mom. But uh, the first study that she did with her, she was expecting just to do the study and just quit. And she talked to her mom and said, but Christina, all she wants to do is talk. All of a sudden the study wasn't just a real fast one-hour study. She was there a couple, three hours, because Christine wanted to talk. And I said, hey, that's part of it. That's where you start to change lives. And now I talked to her fiancé, and he said, she just loves to study. So, yeah, pray that the other people in the church will start getting that same zeal and, and vision. And uh, I challenged him, you know, everybody, to get just one for this year. So many think, well, that's pretty hard, but it's not so impossible. If you get the vision, you may get lots of noes. no's. Uh, you know, I've, you know, we've had about 250 baptisms in these 20 years, I guess, something like that. Well, I've had a lot more people say no to studying the Bible, or the time when I say, well, do you want to be a follower of Jesus? And they say, no, well, I've had about 10 no's to every two yeses. So they can expect it, but the, the tendency, if you get the first no, mm-hmm. then okay, I don't want to try it again. And So pray for that, and, and I really envision, okay, the church uh, is in that situation. I was optimistic six years a, uh, ago in the DVD that some people saw, maybe the church here has it somewhere, you can take a look at it and see where things are now, but I was optimistic that I could go to a different congregation or start a different congregation. I wasn't able to do that uh like I planned with Edgavan leaving and whatnot, but uh, we're at that point where, yeah, I I, I can envision the the church, uh, you, know, you know, starting to explode, uh, and so that has me really encouraged. Even though some people in the church said, John, don't get your expectations too high. But if you don't get them up high, you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything. You're, you have to, and I've had some that just didn't pan out, but it sure looks like uh, Dalva and, and uh, Rainey are going to be two that are going to be able to you know, get the others to be contagious with the whole thing. Well, thank you for being here with us today. Well, thanks, uh, and I'm sure glad to see the, the the old people that I know, not the old people, but the old faces, because there's been some, I don't know, was it here in six years ago or... Or was it 10? Because I don't I've only been able to visit half all the time, so maybe I wasn't even here six years ago, and then what would meant to have been 10 years ago. But there's lots of new faces, too, that I you know, just saying for the first time, may not remember you, but if you get in our we have a face, pa- uh, face page. no, it's a Facebook, what? Facebook Facebook page. You'll see the mission work from Maria's angle, not from her dad's angle. It's all her angle. But she put it together. So you just look up Christ for Saint Louis, uh, M.A. I guess or whatever. Something, uh, somehow it shows up. If you don't know how to find it, get a hold of Cyril, Sylvia, uh, our forwarding agent. She can tell you exactly how to do it. Uh, but it seems like some people have been able to find it already. So somebody can tell you how to. Do it. Don't ask me because I don't know how. That's obvious. We figured and, that and out. Don't. <laughs> And don't tell me I can learn it because I really don't want to learn how to do that. Give me a Bible study.
0: Okay. You see John's heart for discipling. And uh, I've looked at the Facebook page, and his daughter's doing a great job. So do check it out. Um, John also has a display right behind the center section with uh, more pictures. And after the service, John will be back there by his display. So stop by and shake his hand. And uh, this is part of our church, too. And that's part of this supporting missionaries is that, in a sense, ACC is working in Brazil. And uh, if you watch the news, you're going to be hearing a lot more about Brazil in the next few years. The World Cup's going to be there, and then the Olympics are going to be there. Uh, First time in the Southern Hemisphere uh, for the Olympics. So it'll be interesting. You're going to see a lot more about Brazil. And you'll say, well, I know somebody who's down there living now with John. So, John, thank you for that. Thank Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. We uh, come to the point in our service of actually the Lord's Supper. And uh, to me, it's a fitting place because what drives all of this, whether it's going to Austria or Russia or China or Brazil, is an awareness that our God loves the entire world. We all memorize John 3.16, or at least heard it a lot growing up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And that's really what communion reminds us of, of the extent God was willing to go because of his love for the entire world. And while all of us, and it's only natural as we worship, as we take communion, as we look at the cross, it's very natural for us to to apply that love of God to ourselves. He died for me. He died for my sins, for your sins. And that's true and good. But with that, there needs to always be the reminder, and he died for the sins of the people in São Luís, Brazil. And he died for the sins of the people in China. And so as we take communion today, I would like to encourage us to think about God's love, Christ's death on the cross, but that it wasn't just for us. It was indeed for the entire world. Let's, uh, we're going to sing a song, and then we'll take communion.